Thank you, Lord Jesus. Welcome. What a nice-looking crowd we got. Welcome to our Bible study. I said Bible study. So write that in your notes. It's a Bible study. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm going to study the Word with you so you can learn, so you can grow. Hallelujah. But you need to be hungry. How many hungry people came today? And I don't mean food. You know. When I said last week we were hungry, I don't think, oh, I mentioned a Whopper burger, and Peter texted me later. He, he stopped and got a Whopper burger on the way home. But I'm talking hungry for the Word of God. Pastor Sandy's been telling us over and over, you must be hungry, right? We've heard that over. You must, if you're not hungry, you're not going to receive anything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By the way, who heard Pastor Sandy's broadcast this morning? If you didn't, you should go back and listen to it. Unforgiveness. It was awesome. Totally awesome. You know, you start thinking of, like, or us as teachers, I start thinking, how can a Christian be still have unforgiveness? You know, and that's sort of the way I'm going today on my study about wh- how, what happens. You know, you know, God gave me a, a, you know, when I share your heart, I always like to share my heart with you guys. To be honest, you know, but uh, He gave me a passion to teach young believers and, of course, all believers. You know, and and to watch them grow, to watch them change. I always notice when new people that come, you know, I always talk about them. They come in with their hands folded, like, you know, they know everything. And then, but once they start coming and, and, I, and, and we teach them, then in a couple of years, two or three years later, I see them dancing and praising God. And that touches me. That gives me joy, you know. And now I see the ladies ushering and picking up the offering. And I say, wow, you know, what a change. And the, the whole church is changing, you know. The atmosphere is changing. People are changing. They're being changed from the inside out. And that's when I rejoice, you know. Our young men are ushering and pulling security and working. And the same men, that I, a couple of years ago, they wouldn't even go to church, you know. And today they are doing it. And that touches my heart. Hallelujah. And God put an anointing in me to teach in simple terms. A lot of people say that they like to hear me because I, I teach simple, you know, like I'm a kindergarten student. So, I, and, and, and I take pride in that because I want you to learn. I don't want you to leave this place without knowing something. Are you with me? Hallelujah. How many are with me? How many are teachable and humble tonight? Hallelujah. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was thinking about my lesson, you know. Sometimes when I leave here on Wednesdays, I, you know, I'm, I know, you know, that's me sharing my, my heart with you. I feel like did I, I ask the Holy Ghost, did I do a good job? Did I, did I really get the point across that you want me to get to? Because sometimes when I'm writing my lesson, it, it seems kind of kindergarten to me myself, you know. And I say, I wonder if I should do this. But then when I got home last Wednesday, I got uh, two long text messages, one from a young believer and one from a veteran. And they both said, you know, that, wow, tonight was, I needed to hear everything you said tonight. And so all I had to do was rejoice, put my arms up in the air, and tell the Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for teaching tonight. And thank you for putting that word in my heart. Continue. You know everything. You are all-knowing, all-powerful, and you knew they were going to be there. And so tonight I know that he gave me a word for somebody. And, you know, and, and I like to hear you back from you so that I can rejoice with you. But uh, I told the Holy Spirit, how awesome are you that you know everything and you know every person. You know every person that's going to be there next Wednesday. And when I pray during the day, I tell the Holy Spirit, you know who's going to be there tonight. And if you want someone to hear your word, make them come tonight somehow. Put it in their heart to get there. So I believe somebody's going to be changed tonight. Can you say amen? You know, my title for tonight was going to be changing from the inside out, but then the Holy Spirit took that away and put something else in, you know. And so, you know, uh, some we hear this all the time. The Apostle Paul said to know him, right, to know him. That, and that's what we want. We want to know Jesus more and more. And we say that over and over. I want to know you. But tonight I'm going to put a little twist to it, to know you, to know yourself, 
faith to know me. And you need to know who you are. And that's part of the reason that some people still have unforgiveness in them because they really don't know who you are. A lot of Christians are told when they get saved, you are born again, you're a new creature. You are this and you are that. And they say, okay. But then they don't understand. They go home and they don't understand, you know. So tonight I hope that you understand who you are. Say who I am in Christ, you know. When we when we come lost, you know, and and uh, and, and and we you know we don't really know who we are. We're 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 just a a, a brain and a, a and a and a body, and we've been living all our life like that. And we and when we want something to be nice with people, and when we're nice. Then, you know, like our spouses think we're nice, and then when we go back to ourselves and we're not so nice, they tell you something like, I don't know you, you know. And, and, and you could tell yourself, I don't know me either, you know. So when you get born again, you become another person, and people see you, and they start saying, I don't know you, because you start saying things you never used to say before, you know. And then you look in the mirror and say, I don't know me either. Because when you're lost for like 30 or 40 years or however you are when you get saved and you're living according to your brain and your, and, and your body and then all of a sudden you come up here and receive Jesus as your Lord and the Spirit makes you alive, well, the Spirit and your body and your mind have to know each other and you don't know, you know. I mean, you have to, you know, you can't just walk into a home and, and not know. So you have to learn who the Spirit is. And then now when you say I, when you were in the world, you said I, you meant the body and the soul, the mind, your senses. But now when you say I, it's no longer that. I now is the spirit. And so it's different, you know. And that's why it's good for you to know. And how are you going to get to know you? By coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night and hearing the word. I call it building your temple one block at a time. But, I mean, you could say like one nugget at a time. And once your temple gets built strong, then no matter what storm comes against you, you will not fall. See? But when you come in, when you're new, the, the first wind blows you down, you know. And, but, and that's why, you know, I, I, I rejoice seeing the veterans that come here and been coming for years. Because they weren't always like that. You look at them, you think they must have always known. No, no they, were once, they were once like you, new believers. They came in the same way, sitting in the back row and, and moving up one row at a time till they got to the front, you know. And I see some of you have moved up, you know. I remember when you came and, and, and sat in the back with your arms crossed, and now you're smiling. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can I teach you tonight? All right. Teach you who you are in Christ. Thank you, my Father. So let's, let's get into the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 in the American Standard. How many born-again believers am I teaching tonight? How many born-again believers am I teaching tonight? Great. Because this, is, this question is for you. The Apostle Paul is asking it. 1 Corinthians 3.16, American Standard. I, I think they have it, right? Did they put it in there? You got it, Jared? I don't think they got American Standard in their lap, so uh, you might have to put it up there. I sent him all the scriptures that I think you have. You don't have it? Okay. So then listen to me. Take notes. It says this. You know you not. Can you write that on your notes? Don't you know? Know you not that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Some believers don't know that, you know. I mean, and that they get saved, but they and they're told that they've been forgiven and they're on the way to heaven. But they but the Apostle Paul's going one step further. He says, Don't you know that you are the temple of God? So when you get saved and the Spirit comes to live in you, that makes your body the temple. And so you become, you are the temple of God. And you can take pride in that and talk to yourself and enjoy yourself that, hey, God lives in me. In the Amplified, because I guess he does have the Amplified, I think. First Corinthians 3.16 in the Amplified. Do you, do you not know and understand? 
underline that because do you not know and understand? Did you hear that? Because some, a lot of Christians don't understand. They, they know because they've been told, but they don't understand what it means to be the temple of God. When you understand that you're the temple of God and you are holy, you won't do a lot of the stuff that you do now. I mean, you'll have a check-in and says, no, you're holy. And, and I'm going to get deeper with that in you. That you, the church, are the temple of God. This whole, t- as a church, as a, as, a, as a church, we are the temple of God. And as individual, you're the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells permanently, say permanently, in you, collectively and individually. Permanently, not temporarily. You can't, be, you can't have the te- Him living in you today and then say that you backslid or something and you, and you went back to the world. You probably never had Him, you know. Because when He really, truly got in you, He got in you for permanent. He made His permanent home. He chose you. He, God knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows everything, you know. Do you not know and understand? Let me tell you something. You can know something but not understand it. Did you know that? Hallelujah. We can tell you that you are a new creature and you're in Christ, and we tell you that all the time. But do you really understand it? Most new believers don't. I hate to say that, but they don't. I touched last week on the importance of understanding. A lot of believers hear the word but don't understand it. Say, I will understand it tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Open it up for us in Jesus' name. Think about your children. They always censor you. I know dad. I know mom. But they just don't understand, right? I mean, you hear that all the time. They, they say, I know. But do you really understand? You take tithing, for instance. We just heard that the, the teaching on tithing. Um, we, we know we should tithe, right? But most believers don't understand. They don't understand the consequences, say consequences, of tithing or not tithing. Because if they understood, they would always tithe. The consequence, the windows opening up, can you, man, why wouldn't I tithe, you know? Or, or, or me robbing God and the windows closing, that's the consequences. A perfect example of what Pastor Sandy was teaching this morning. Do you know the consequences of unforgiveness? If you knew, you would always forgive. I mean, you know. It's bad to, to live in unforgiveness because it's the way she was reading it this morning. If you live, if you live in unforgiveness, then you, then he, he, he just throws the kitchen sink at you, and you don't want God doing that, right? So you have to obey. How how hard is it to go to someone and not just say I, I forgive? Uh, you come to the altar and said I forgive. That's not enough. You know the person's name, right? I mean, you know where they live. You don't know where they sit in church. Are you listening? It's easy to just walk over there and hug and say, I forgive you. I've had some li- li- little things, not bad, you know, even with Pastor George and a little bit more, you know, once in a while. And I won't leave the church without hugging him and say, I forgive and I'm, uh, forgive me and I forgive you. You know, we're back to even. I, I will not leave the church in unforgiveness. And I've made sure that you know, that I walk over to you and hug you and tell you that I love you. And I'm your dad, you know. And hug me back. And then we're straight. <laughs> Are you listening? That's why I say come Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So you can get one nugget at a time. You don't have to get it all, all overnight. And most of us don't get it overnight. You know, I told you last week, someone asked me, how long did it take you to understand everything that John Osteen was teaching you? And I said, you know, maybe a couple of years. I didn't un- get it overnight. You know, It was over time. Over time, I knew my mistakes by looking at my life, and it wasn't changing. Where I was broke, that was the reason. I didn't blame God. Something I wasn't doing right. And then when I started doing things right, and I started seeing the results, then I understood. Now I know, and now I can teach because I've lived that life. I know what it takes. I know that confession brings forgiveness. I've heard it over and over. You know, thank you, my Father. And, you, and I built my my temple one block at a time. And I tell you what, there's not a storm in this world that's going to bring me down. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, not one. Hallelujah. So keep 
build in your temple. Meditate on the word. Mutter. Speak it to yourself. Every piece of word that you get, mutter it. Meditate on it. Mutter me, say it over and over under your breath. When you're driving, confess the word. If you have to put scriptures on the wall, put them. And so you get till you get them in here. You keep saying them over and over. And say things like, he lives in me. You know, you might say, I heard that already. Yes, you have. But until you really, really, two reallys, right? Really, really get it in you, it won't work. Until you really get it in you that he lives in you. When we really get this information in us and begin to understand that it is not only possible to be transformed, but it is very important to be transformed. Did you hear me? You have to be transformed. You cannot stay the same. If you stay the same, then something's wrong. That's why you keep coming back and keep learning and learning. And all of a sudden you hear that word that reveals to you what you should do. And Christians need to hear that because a lot of times we're, we don't, we're not humble enough to understand it. We're not teachable or we're not hungry. When we come in, we already have preconceived ideas, right? And those ideas have to disappear. The Holy Spirit dwells in us as a direct result of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross. Did you hear me? I'm feeding born-again believers tonight. And if you're not born again yet, I welcome you to eat from our buffet table tonight. And before you leave tonight, we will give you an opportunity to become, to get to know the family of God, to join the family of God. And this time you've already heard the teaching, so you know what that means. And you're going to hear more in a minute. Now let's turn to 1 Corinthians 3.17 in the Amplified. If anyone destroys the temple of God, corrupting it with false doctrine, God will destroy the destroyer. For the temple of God is holy, sacred, and that is what you are. Did you hear me? You need to understand that you are the temple of God and you're holy and you're sacred. And you know in your mind, if you operate out of your mind or your flesh, they are not holy and separate. Your spirit is holy. So you need to get things out of your head that are not holy. When a first thought comes in your head, you rebuke it and say, no, I will not think on that. Did you hear me? I will not think on that. I will think on holy things because I am holy. And what, what did you say, corrupting it with false doctrine? How can that happen? Because a lot of Christians, they get on fire for God and they run, they turn the TV on or turn, nowadays is YouTube. In my day, it was, it was a television program. And uh, we turn it on and every preacher that we hear, we start listening. We're thinking that we're really learning something. But not every preacher understands what we understand. And I've heard preachers on YouTube and preach against the Holy Spirit, preach against tithing, preach against giving. Calling pastors that they just want to be rich and all that. That's corrupting the Holy Spirit. You listen to that stuff and then, and because you thought like that, you start siding with that. And this, you start corrupting the temple of God, which is holy. Do you understand? Say, God is holy and sacred. And that's what I am. Hallelujah. So what destroys the temple? Corrupting it with false doctrine. So that's why I always say it's not good. John Olson told us right away, don't go listen to every, he's, he said Tom, Dick, and Harry, you know. And uh, I don't know, that's a white man saying, I guess, you know. But I had never heard that before, you know. And uh, I'm glad my, not, my name's not Tom or Dick or Harry, you know. <laughs> but it's always good to pass it by Pastor Sandy or something if you're listening to some preacher and ask her, is this okay? Because we know the preachers are out there that are actually preaching Contrary to what we're teaching you, we're teaching you the, un the, the uncorruptible word of God here at the Power Love Church. So what's corruption or corrupting is to change from good to bad in morals. Are you hearing me? Huh. I mean, I know because I, I, I tune in sometimes just to see what they're saying, and it's bad, really bad. Some, some of them are talking against each preacher against preacher, which is never should be done, you know. And, and, and so, you know, corruption means decay or rot. It starts to rot things. Remember, one bad apple does what? See, so you get away from bad apples. Separate yourself from any corrupt communication. 
If you have a question, like I said, about something, bring it to your leaders here and let us know. And we can uh, text us and we'll tell you, yes, that's right or no, it's not right. Are you with me? I love to teach this. We're no longer enslaved to our senses, but we are free to follow his will. Whose will? His will. Are you still with me? We should strive to continually be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, we must know and recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive and is not just a theory. So hear me. Some religious people think it's just a theory, but it's not. The Holy Spirit is a live person, just like Jesus, just like the Father. Listen up. In order for us to really get to the place where the fully, to fully understand and recognize that he's alive and he's here, it will take our faith to grow to a level above religion. Did you hear me? Most people come to church. Some were never religious, so that's better, you know. But a lot of us, we were religious. I was Catholic. I never heard none of this, you know. And I never heard anybody speak in tongues. I never heard, you know, anybody talk about the Holy Ghost, you know. Just, I don't know what I heard. I don't think I heard anything. I just felt good to go in there, you know. Are you listening? A level above religion. Say a level above religion. The word of God, when it gets in us, will put religion on the run. Most people come here, they're religious, Baptist, Protestant, Methodist, Church of Christ. I don't know. There are a lot of them, you know. But the, the Holy Spirit will put all of them on the run. So hear me. We must eat God's word as if it was a great steak. However, you would not eat a great steak if you weren't hungry, right? Tell me you got it. So you got to come hungry. You got to say, I need to learn. I need to know. And I need to know who Jesus is, but thank you tonight. I need to know who I am. I didn't know that who I was. And before we open our Bibles to John 3, 5, and 6, let me say this. We know the Spirit is alive and is in us because we experienced him. And I'm going to give you three ways that we experienced him. So take note. Number one, you know, he said in, in John 3, 5, and 6 in the NLT, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one, say no one, can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Are you listening? If you're sitting here and you have never experienced this, then you cannot enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. All of us were born of water already, but now we need to be born of the spirit. Can you say amen? Humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit brings birth to spiritual life. Who gives birth? The Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't be saved. Jesus made it clear when he told Nicodemus, unless, unless one is born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. He that is born of the Spirit is spirit. Are you listening? So first we experience, number one, we experience his life. When we were born again, we need to know that, that he is alive. So we have to study the life of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? When you came to the altar and you prayed the prayer of salvation with Pastor Sandy on Sunday morning, you got born again. You received life. So you went, you now you got life in you. Are you with me? John 6, 63 and 64 in the NLT. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Did you hear me? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. So what's human effort? Religion. Religion is man-made. We need the Holy Spirit. We need spiritual. And the very words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones did believe, which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. When I read that, you know, I mean, I meditate on the word, and it says, if you did not believe, then you betrayed him. And a lot of us, when we testified, we said that we didn't believe, right? You come up and you said, I never believed. I told my my wife, I told him, I don't believe that. 
So what we were doing, we're betraying him. And that's bad, you know. Betraying the son of God, Jesus, you know. That's number one. Uh, number two, do we experience his life as we were touched by the resurrection? His power and we are quickened. That's number two. Have you been quickened? We need to know that. We need to know that whether you were quickened or not. The dictionary says quickened means to make alive. Did, are you alive today? We were once dead, but now we're alive. Can you say amen? Romans 8.11 in the King James says, but if, and I always stop. I always, most of the time I read the first two letters or, or words and stop. If, but if. The spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If, and I have to answer that question when I'm reading it. Yes, he does. So if he dwells in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So yes, he does dwell in me. So then he will quicken. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken me. And that's why I'm alive. And I could have a bounce in my step always because he quickened me. I am alive. I am not dead anymore. And that's, a, that's why I praise him over and over. And I thank you, Jesus, because he made me alive. He quickened me by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You need to know who you are. When you know who you are, everything else will fall in place. You won't even attempt to sin because you are quickened. You are alive. When you were dead, you don't want to go back to that state. No. Thank you, Jesus. I like the message, you know. I think it opens it up for us, the message. So Romans 8, 11 in the message, but, and it starts with those three words. But if God, if God himself has taken up residence in your life, and I answer that, yes, he has. If God himself, he has taken residence in your life, yes, then you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Or anyone, of course, who has not welcomed the invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. So that's why your neighbors don't know, your friends don't know, sometimes your husband doesn't know, because they, ha they, they haven't taken up residence. He hasn't taken residence in their life so like he has in you, so they don't know. Clearly, the spirit of Christ won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, how many have welcomed him? See, just wave at me. Welcome you, whom he dwells. Even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you're not perfect. You still experience it. But he forgives you, and you know who's in you. And you can say, no, I, I can't do that. I slipped a little, but I'm not going to slip anymore. This is it, you know. You yourself experience the life of God, son. I remember... You know, I told this years ago, you know, when I first got saved and I started learning this, I hit my head under the car or something. So I was, I was fixing a car or something, and I said a bad word. You know, and immediately I just began to say, ask God to forgive me. Where did that come from, you know? I mean, I wasn't perfect. I knew that I was born again, but it still slipped out of my mouth because of all the years that we talked that way, you know. But immediately I felt terrible. Heart. That was proof that I had something in me that I didn't have before. Because most people would never think twice and just keep going. Hallelujah. You yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the that if if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves in your life, He'll do the same thing in you that He did in Jesus. Isn't that neat? When you understand what is in you. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. So as you study Jesus, you say, man, the Holy Spirit is doing the same thing in me, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that if you're born again, you've been delivered from that dead life? With, with his spirit living in you, in your body, will be as alive as, alive as Christ. Those are heavy words and great words to, be, to praise him and worship him with. Well, we don't need a lot of words, man. That's the, all that I'm giving you is enough for you to live a life of praising him every minute of the day. 
Number three, we experience his life as he touched our minds and enabled us to think on the things of God. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. Our minds. He. He. Say he. Touch our minds. Say he touched my mind and enabled me to think of the things of God. Romans 8, 5, and 6 in the Amplified. For those who are according to the flesh or controlled by its unholy desires, that was us in the past, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit or and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds, that's you, say that's me, set your minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So it's very, he makes it very clear, right? When we're in the world and we're thinking with flesh, controlled our holy desires with our minds, that's us in the world. But today we think like he told us to think. We control the desires of by the spirit, our minds, and seek those things which verify the Holy Spirit. You seek them. You have a, you have work to do. And they're not going to come automatically. You have to look for them. Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason, without the Holy Spirit, that's what we were with it before we were born again, is death. Death that, com that comprises all of the miseries arising from sin, both here and the hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit, say that's me, is the... Is the life and soul peace both in and forever? Oh, it's so beautiful to have peace, you know. So beautiful to walk around in peace and not in turmoil and not upset, not anxious for nothing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We set our minds. We said, who sets your minds? We. Say, I have work to do. I set my mind, and my mind doesn't set itself. I set my mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. And how am I going to know? I'm going to research the Word of God and find out how the Holy Spirit thinks the life of Jesus so that I can think like Him. The result of obeying His Word is life and peace. Can you say hallelujah? Life and peace is so important. Are you learning tonight? Knowledge of God's Word is wonderful. Who remembers Hosea 4.6? to say all the veterans here should know that by heart, but there's a lot of new people, you know. You got to build your house on the rock and, and, and nothing can destroy it. If you believe that, say amen. When we were in the world, we never, we were under self-destruction mode. Did you know that? When you were in the world, you, your only mode was self-destruction. You were not going to succeed, no matter what kind of job you had, no matter what kind of income you had. You weren't going to succeed because you were already in self-destruction mode. It was just a matter of time. I know you know this, the scripture by heart, but, but you never know. I teach new believers all the time. So let's turn to Hosea 4.6 so they'll know the living Bible. The living Bible says, my people are destroyed because they don't know me. And it's all your fault, you priests, for yourselves to know me. For you yourselves refuse to know me. Therefore, I refuse to recognize you as my priests or pastors or teachers. Since you have forgotten my laws, I will forget to bless your children. What a heavy scripture that is. See, we as teachers have to teach you who he is. But we, if we don't know who he is, how can we teach you who he is? We have to walk as an example to you, knowing that he's in us. And I, I love when people send me notes to say that I am an example to him. I love it because that's what I want. I, want, I have a passion to be like that, to be an example to the young believers and to teach the truth and who Jesus is. We have the responsibility not only to teach you, but we have to make sure that you know him. Are you listening? Are you still with me? Because every time I come up here Wednesday nights, it's so important. When I give you the study, because I want you to know that the Holy Spirit put that in my heart for you. So there must be a reason that you need to know this. Can you say amen? It's that feed him, the uncompromising word of God. 
And that's what I always say. I remember John Osteen's words so clearly. He says, feed the sheep, don't beat the sheep. A lot of preachers preach with a whip in their hand. <laughs> I said, no, feed the sheep. Love on them. Tell them how great they are. Build up, build them up. So look what Paul says in Philippians 3.10 and uh, 14 in the message. I gave all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. Did you see that? That's what you should say. I give all that unfair stuff. Everything that we were after was inferior to knowing Christ personally, to experience his resurrection power, to be a partaker of his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there be any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I said me too when I read that. I want to do it. I'm not saying, he says, that I have it all together. That I that I that I have it made, but I but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wonderfully reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning on us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Are you getting it? I love to read the word because when I read the word, it says, I said, I'm off and running too. And I am. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Are you getting it? Say, I'm off and running. Can I teach you some more? Hallelujah. Something wonderful took place when you and I received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Remember, I'm trying to teach you who you are. Are you getting it? Something wonderful took care took place in you when you came up here and gave your heart to the Lord. Ephesians 1.13 says in the King James, in whom or in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Can I teach you? This is a Bible study, but take note. Don't, you know, God's word needs to be in you. Are you with me? What does that mean that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise? You write that on your notes, sealed. The seal is our guarantee. A seal guarantees that the, uh, the authenticity of something. Let me give you three things that the seal of the Holy Spirit guarantees us. So take notes. Number one, it guarantees ownership. He put a seal on you. That means that he owns you and nobody can take you from him. He seals us and makes us his own. Number two, it guarantees completion. He seals us to, quarant to guarantee that, to, I mean, not guarantee. He seals us to guarantee that we will be fully his own with him and like him. In ancient times, people would mark valuable property with their seal. So there would be no doubt about who owned it. Who owns you? See? You need to know that you have been sealed. There's a seal in your spirit. There's a seal in your life that Jesus is your Lord. I get happy and excited knowing that when I trust Jesus Christ, God puts his seal of ownership on me with his Holy Spirit. Man, that is awesome. If you got it, shout hallelujah. Let's get more words. Second Corinthians one twenty two, in the King James, who also say also, had also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So what does it mean to be to earnest on the Spirit in your heart? Remember, this is a Bible study. What does it mean when you read this scripture? Earnest means serious, no nonsense. Are you learning? When you. When you put earnest money on a house, it means I'm serious. It's mine. No one else can bid on it. Did you hear me? Be earnest. He put earnest money on you, and no one can bid on you. The devil can say, I want that person. Sorry, I've already put my earnest money on. That's my home. That's my home. Thank you. I want you to know who you are. Are you learning? The earnest of the spirit in our hearts. Another meaning that a seal brings is the official guarantee of a correctness of the contents of the particular thing. A seal of approval. 
This is big. Have been inspected and approved. The contents of this package right here has a seal of my approval. Did you get it? I don't know about you, but I got it. Hallelujah. If you got it, give yourself a hand clap. And if you not get it, I will, I will break it down some more. When you buy food that is supposed to be organic, and you should take it, you should not take the word of the store. It has to have a seal, either USDA, kosher, vegan, gluten-free seal. I always go to the store and buy food. I see two apples. One is, is uh, organic and one is not. And I always make a habit to buy organic. I see milk. One's organic and one's not. I always get the organic. Why? Because that's what I am. You know, he sealed me, you know. I'm special, you know. And every time I look at the word organic, I think about me. This package has the organic seal on it, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do we know someone is 100% Christian? Well, question, do they carry the seal? See? If they don't carry the seal, then, then they, they, you can call yourself a Christian. Most religious re religions uh, don't believe in the Holy Spirit especially the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they, and they teach against the Holy Spirit, but they call themselves Christian. And sometimes when you first learn about us, and you come and you say, I don't believe in that spirit and that tongues, then if you go and hear that some of those preachers, then you fall in line with them because they believe like you. But that's not organic. That's not, they don't have the seal of authenticity. See, You need the Holy Spirit in order to have the seal. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you have no seal. And anybody can break into that package. Hallelujah. So how do I know you're 100% Christian? You carry the seal, which is the Holy Spirit. Let's go to Romans 8, 9. Are you learning tonight? I'm not going to go long, but, I'm, but I, know I want you to leave with something. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so... Be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. What was the seal? The Spirit is the seal. So if any man doesn't have the seal of the Spirit of God, then he don't belong to him. Did you hear me? No seal, no authenticity. Who's getting it? Man, when you leave tonight, you get excited knowing that I'm sealed and I have the earnest money that God put on me. Until the last day, no one takes me from him. No one can break the seal. It's only I can break it, and you're not going to break the seal, right? The seal of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is God's guarantee that he has redeemed us from, from, uh, from, our, from and formed Christ in us and fully freed us from the power and the presence of sin. Are you listening? So if you have the seal of the Holy Spirit, he delivered you and set you free from the power of sin. So anytime, you know what sin is. Anytime sin approaches you, no, you can't come in because I am sealed. And you can't come in this package. This package is sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I'm holy. And I'm going to stay holy till the day he comes for me. Now it's up to us not to allow the seal to ever be broken. Are you learning? What breaks the seal? Sin. Or disobedience. We need to stay pure. Stay pure. Waiting for the taking away or the, uh, or the catching away of the church. Why am I telling you all this? Because the word of God tells us that he's coming back for his bride. That's us, the church, without spot or wrinkle. So that package is holy. And as long as the seal is there, then the package in me is doesn't have a spot or a wrinkle. So I'm ready for the bride to come back. I'm ready to go home. And that's what you should do every day. Practice that. No, I got the seal of God on me. And that seal means that nothing can come in. And he already put his earnest money on me. So he owns me. Say, God owns me. Are you still hungry? I love to feed hungry listeners. So the, the seal of the Holy Spirit, as wonderful as that is, is only a deposit. Say deposit. 
or a down payment, like earnest money, the wonders of our king are waiting for us. Let's read this, the scripture again, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed him, you were stamped with the seal of the promise, Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. The Spirit is the guarantee, the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God, owned, purchased, possession, his believers, with the praise, to the praise and to his glory. Can you say hallelujah? Let's read it in a message. I think it opens it up. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every time I'm reading the word, faith is being built in you so that you can start changing from the inside out. So Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 in a message says, it's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation found yourself home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Just like when you get a package in your front door, it's signed, sealed, and delivered. In my door, I have a camera that says, you want me to put the keys there so no one can touch it. And I push that button so no one can touch it. So think of you as a package, a holy package that came in, and now nobody, you can't break that seal. This down payment from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has pleased, has planned for us, a a praising and glorious life. What kind of life? Praising and glorious life. If you're not living that life tonight, tonight you can start. Tonight you can come to the altar and pray and let me lay hands on you and receive that impartation. Receive that seal of the Holy Spirit in you so you can walk out saying, my package is sealed and set free, delivered, and nothing's going to break that seal. I am holy. Are you getting it? Think about it this way. The experience of the Holy Spirit is just a taste. Imagine what there would be, that there would be more to come, and it would be glorious. Can you yell out, thank you, Jesus? Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. I can't close until I can't close until I until I give you the, this warning from the Apostle Paul. Because there's all everything has a warning. This has a warning. Are you ready? Ephesians 4:30 in the King James says, "And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption." See, there's that word again. You are sealed until when? Unto the day of redemption. He, he is the only one that can remove that seal at that day. No one else. Now read it in a message. Don't, don't grieve the God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. Make your fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Are you listening? Don't take such a gift for granted. Say, I won't. God has authenticated us. God has given us a foreclosure of glory. Say foreclosure of glory. Some of you look like you didn't understand me yet. I thought I broke it down pretty good, didn't you think? Aren't you glad you came and heard who you really are? That's who you are in Christ. Everything I said, that's you. You're a package with a seal on it. You're holy and without blemish. Stay holy. God has committed to bring us to his glory. So in light of all that wonderful things, we must never, say never, grieve the Holy Spirit of God because it is the spirit that has sealed us for the day of redemption. So let me show you in the word. Let's turn to Matthew 12, 32 in the Amplified. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Spirit, the Holy One, will not be forgiven. Isn't that something? Underline that. You can say some things against Jesus and be forgiven, but you cannot speak against the Holy Spirit. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit is. You will not be forgiven, either in this world or in the age of the world age to come. You have to worship the Holy Ghost. 
Thank him how great he is, how mighty he is, how awesome he is. Talk to him every day and never grieve him. Some people use God's name in vain or Jesus' name in vain. Some curse God or Jesus. Dumb, dumb, dumb. But really dumb is to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's the dumbest of all. Don't ever talk against the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 4, 30, and, and 30 to 32 in the Amplified. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Final. Say final. I've been delivered from sin. Say, I've been delivered from sin by the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. So who has done any of those things? Very quiet in here. Read it over by yourself. Animosity, unforgiveness is part of it. Did you hear me? Don't speak evil of anybody. Just if somebody asks you a question and you have something to say, say no comment. Especially if they're a born-again believer. And, be and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Say, I'll be kind, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another. Readily and freely, as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Who learned something tonight? Who's ready to go to heaven right now if you were to die today, tonight? You know, I heard earlier today that one of the coaches of the, of the Golden State Warriors, they were in Utah. And they were having dinner, and he fell over and went to the hospital in the emergency room. And this morning he died, 46-year-old, strong, tall, coach, dead at 46. You never are guaranteed that you're going to live till you get saved. I hope he was saved. Because if he was not saved, you know he's not going to be in heaven. And he'd be a burning hell. Bad forever and ever to never die but to burn. So if you know that you you don't understand and you don't know that you are born again and you're saved, and if you were to die tonight of a heart attack or anything or a car wreck, there's a lot of young people die every day of car wrecks, especially here lately in the snow or ice. We have several of car accidents. A lot of people die. I've seen them, I see them all the time in the emergency room. So if, if, if they're not born again, and if you're not born again, please don't leave this building. But I know Pastor Sandy does a great job leading you to the Lord. And I hope all of you have received Jesus as your Lord. But if you haven't, tonight, make him your Lord of your life. 